Well, welcome back, folks. We're friends of Flow. Um, we're excited to be back and here with you. My name is Tess Judge Ellis. Good morning. I'm Rebecca Porter. And good morning, ladies. This is uh, Andy Witters here. Great. We are excited because we have some special guests coming to us from Denver, Colorado. We have Mary Og and Danielle Glover, and they are with AORN. So first, I'd like to ask them to introduce themselves a bit and tell us a little bit about AORN. My name is Mary Og. I'm a senior perioperative practice specialist. I've worked at AORN for 12 years. And prior to that, I have about 30 years of experience working in operating rooms across the country. AORN stands for the Association of Perioperative Registered Nurses. We're the world's largest nursing organization for perioperative nurses. So we represent over 160,000 nurses, operating room nurses across the country. And we provide nursing education, clinical practice guidelines, standards, and professional development for perioperative nurses and the team. That's great. Danielle, why don't you introduce yourself then also? My name is Danielle Glover. I'm the Associate Director of Government Affairs here at AORN. And my job is to uh, manage the state government affairs and state legislative affairs uh, and represent uh, our members at the at the state capitals across the country. Well, that's awesome. great. And so today... Uh, for this podcast in particular, we're talking about smoke plume evacuation. And so I guess, Mary, if you can talk about how that came of interest to AORN and how long um, AORN has been interested in this topic and where it comes from and your overall priorities. Well, AORN has been involved in smoke evacuation priorities since the mid-90s. In the mid-1995 and 1996, they convened two different conferences that brought interested stakeholders together to discuss smoke evacuation. We had representatives from American College of Surgeons, ANA, as well as regulatory from OSHA, NIOSH, and as well as accrediting bodies such as Joint Commission. And they they came together to discuss this issue. And the outflow, I mean, the outcome of that talks were that more research needed to be done about smoke evacuation. Wow, and did AORN convene that meeting? Yes, they did. It was funded through our AORN Foundation. And then we've been advocating for smoke evacuation since then. It's been in three different recommended practices that we had. It was in our electrosurgery recommended practice, laser safety, as well as minimally invasive surgery. And then as fast forward about 20 years, as more and more information came out about what's in surgical smoke, we decided to make it its own standalone guideline, that there was that overwhelming evidence that talked to what are the, in the contents of surgical smoke and why it's important for our perioperative teams to evacuate smoke. And I bet sure. you that NIOSH is really interested in that stuff. Is that right? Yes, NIOSH has funded a few studies about surgical smoke, Neither one of those has been published yet. I had a sneak preview, but I'm not allowed to share what they found. Uh Right, (laughs) right, sure. That's I mean, you're but you're in the forefront of that with them, and that is that. What an exciting partnership! I think, don't you think? No, absolutely. I think that guideline process is fascinating. Well, the standalone smoke safety guideline was released in 2017, and it's still currently in our book. Our guidelines are on a five-year cycle of being updated, so it's in that 
um, interim period right now before it'll be updated again. Wow. So once we get back maybe 500 to 1,000 articles, the author would go through those and decide which ones they want to look into more detail. And then once we get those articles, it gets called down to maybe 500. Then the author goes through each and every one of those articles and appraises it for its level of evidence. We also bring in subject matter experts on certain topics to help us review that too, to make sure we're on target. And then once that draft is done, it goes up on our website for public comment for 30 days. And that gives everybody an opportunity to comment on that. You do not have to be an AWARN member to comment. We welcome comments from everyone. It's a call out to um, staff nurses to keep an eye um, of public comment time. In addition to being a member of their local chapter, uh, to being a participant in those development of those guidelines. Yeah. And I just want to take a clip of what you just said and put it in and say, here, you know, young student nurse, this is exactly where nursing voices need to be and nursing leadership. Absolutely. So we want to hear just a little bit more specifically about the smoke evacuation guideline and then the recommendations. And we actually put a prop out, which is from AORN. This is their practice guideline. Great. Happy to see that. So in the guideline, there are five broad recommendations, and I'm just going to look down here. The first one is that your healthcare organization should establish a smoke-free workplace environment. And this is important that you do an evaluation, and it's based on OSHA hierarchy of controls, is that you go in and look to see how can you remove the smoke. Is there any way to eliminate the smoke altogether? Can you use engineering controls such as your HVAC system? Or do you need work practice controls using that smoke evacuator? And then administrative controls, having your policies and procedures, and then finally PPE, that N90, surgical N95. So it's based on that OSHA model is that your organization should evaluate. Do we have multiple rooms that are generating large amounts of smoke? Or are we a ambulatory surgery center that does primarily cataract surgery where we're not generating smoke, then you don't need to worry about it because you don't, you may have one puff of smoke maybe once every hundred cases, but it's not like you're in a case, maybe a plastic surgery, surgery center where you're doing large cases where you're always generating that large amount of smoke. So that's the first recommendation. And number two, and this I think is the meat and potatoes of the guideline is that the team should evacuate all smoke. And this goes into the nitty-gritty details about if you're going to evacuate smoke, that evacuators should be as close as possible to the surgical site and so that all that visible smoke is removed. It talks about what type of evacuator to have. Another important thing that is in here is that it stresses that one team member should not make the decision for the whole team about evacuating smoke. Nice. And I think nice. this is really important that it should be a team decision, not based on just one person's opinion. What's the third recommendation? Just a little light reading, it looks like. I know. <laughs> <laughs> this is where all the evidence is, sorry. Uh-huh. Um, you know, the, the next recommendations get in kind of the um, nitty-gritty, too, of having education and competencies in smoke evacuation. As I said earlier, I think education's the key for people to know 
about what's in smoke to motivate them more to want to evacuate it. The competency part comes in to the, that you know how to use the equipment, that you can hook up that smoke evacuator, that you know when to use one particular evacuator over maybe using the suction. And then recommendation four is having those policies and procedures. And this is also key to have a strong policy and procedure and not just to have that policy and procedure, but that that policy and procedure is enforced and backed up by your administrative level, level and your leadership team. You can have everything written down in a book that sits in an office, but unless it's being actually referenced and enforced, then it's just a piece of paper. For sure. And then the fifth one is a quality assurance program. And going back to Go Clear, they help you implement all these things as well. You have, in our Go Clear, we have the education piece, we have the competency piece, we have the quality piece, and so, and we also provide a sample policy and procedure in that Go Clear resource packet. So it helps you implement this guideline. You don't have to do it on your own. We've done all the legwork for you. I'm very proud of it and proud of AORN for doing this is that it's a total package. It has everything that we have been able to think of that could help a facility go smoke-free. From how do you make that commitment that you want to be smoke-free? How do you get leadership support? To having tools there for uh, a gap analysis. Do we have enough smoke evacuators? There are some facilities that have a smoke evacuator already in every room, but they're sitting in there gathering dust. They haven't been used. So (laughs) some facilities already have the (laughs) equipment. So we need to know, do they have the equipment they need? Do they have the evacuators? Do they have the disposables that they need to evacuate smoke? And then I think this is the cornerstone of our program, is our education modules. There are six online modules that you can complete in about 10 to 15 minutes for each one. You can do one at a time, you can do two or three or all six. And I think that's the key here is for people to be empowered with the knowledge of what's in that smoke and how they can advocate for themselves, for their patients, and for the rest of their team that this is not good for us to be inhaling this smoke. And then also within the program is an audit tool so you can figure out how many rooms and how many surgeries are actually evacuating that smoke. So it's a total package and resource. We have a program manual that walks through the steps. We have dedicated personnel. We have a program coordinator for the program as well as um, the clinical uh, consult for the program when, if anybody has clinical questions regarding going smoke-free. So talk, then there's award levels that institutions can have, correct? That is correct. We've made it a three-tier level. We have a gold, silver, and bronze award. And to achieve the gold level, you're about at 90% across the board. So 90% of your staff have completed the education, 90% received a passing grade, Uh, you're evacuating smoke 90% of the time, and that you have enough equipment actually to evacuate the smoke. The silver is below that, it's about 70 to 90%, and then the bronze is down at 50%. One of the reasons we made it a three-tiered level is that we wanted to recognize incremental progress. So if you're a facility that's never evacuated smoke and you start doing it at least 50% of the time, you can still apply for this award and get the bronze. We want to recognize that you're making that effort. 
gold is, of course, the best, and we hopefully most everybody will achieve that, which today we've had 38 facilities that have achieved the Go Clear Award, and 37 of those have been gold, and we do have one silver awardee. Once they have completed their audit and completed their education, they submit for the award, and that packet is evaluated and the award granted. It's awarded for three years, and then we were going to have plans for a recertification. It is free to any facility that wants to participate in uh, applying for the award. A great story that has come out of the Go Clear program is that one of our facilities that won the gold award wrote back and said that prior to going through the program, the surgeons did not want to evacuate smoke. The staff went through the program, went through the education, and the staff in the room started spouting all the facts and around the smoke and how bad it was and that they didn't want to be exposed. And so the surgeons started evacuating smoke, and they've gone on to win the gold award. And I just think that's so powerful that when we have multiple voices expressing our concerns is that we can move this forward rather than one person just saying, I want you to evacuate it. If you have the circulating nurse and the scrub nurse and maybe even anesthesia saying, we're in this room all day. We don't want to be exposed to this all day. We want you to do this. I think there's a little more peer pressure to evacuate that smoke. This is just a a no-brainer. When you think about the safety issues that exist within within smoke, um, uh, chemicals that are, that, that are there. Yeah. I mean, this, this just seems like the right thing to do. Exactly. And it's not just that it's one case. It might be you breathe that in for eight hours a day and yeah. then five days a week. Or, you know, again, you might be in the OR for 30 years. And so what toll is that taking on our team that are teams that are in the operating room? And so... Each and every researcher said, evacuate smoke. And it came out loud and clear to me, and I was just reviewing some of these articles again the other day, is that each and every one says, evacuate that smoke. And so I think that's the message we need to drive home, is that it needs to evacuate it, whether it's a little bit for a small case or whether you've got a tremendous amount of smoke in some of these larger cases such as abdominoplasties or breast reconstruction. Initially we thought of this as a recruitment and retention tool as well. Exactly, yeah. We value you as an employee. We're going to make this environment smoke-free for you. And so that makes me want to stay. As recruitment, if I'm moving to a new area and I find out that St. Elsewhere has the Go Clear Award and they're committing to be a smoke-free environment, maybe I'd rather work there than someplace else. And it's crazy when you think it does take, what did they say, 17 to 20 years to make change in a culture, and you guys have done it, so congrats. We are going to have to shift on to governmental affairs, and so as we get going on, Danielle, can you just introduce yourself a little bit more and talk about your background with AORN? Uh, my name is Danielle. I'm the Associate Director for uh, AORN's Government Affairs Department. What that means is that I represent AORN at the state level um, in both the legislative and the regulatory environment. So I work really closely with our members to, um, to make sure that they're trained to be good advocates and that they can communicate their message to legislators and to regulators uh, effectively. How, 
how did the legislators receive you and receive nurses? Everybody loves a nurse. The Gallup poll has us at the top of, of the trusted, trustworthy professions. And so how, do, how are they received at the legislature? Well, the great thing about working with nurses is that everybody loves nurses. The legislators are sometimes shocked to hear um, what the nurses are exposed to surgical smoke, that this is still an issue. Uh, and I think that they're also appreciative to hear that there is somebody that is in that room that is being the patient's advocate. Excellent. And you guys had recent success in Rhode Island with some legislation that was passed. Can you talk a little bit more about that? Yeah, Rhode Island uh, is is a success story because it's an example of us not only passing legislation, but of our members stepping up and making sure that their their voices were were heard. Um, AORN stepped in to, to spearhead this initiative by engaging stakeholders, bringing people to the table, uh, working with our members to communicate again their stories and their experiences with uh, with surgical smoke. And uh, we engaged folks like the Rhode Island State Nurses Association as we uh, pursued the legislation. There's a lot that happens with with policymaking. Um, it's a multi-year process. When we are looking at states and evaluating wh- what is going to be effective and where we should go, what we're really taking into consideration is our members. And they're the ones that are driving this. Can you walk us through a little bit about what happened in Rhode Island and how this came about? Because it took a couple of years that was actually building on lots of grassroots work with the, the AORN chapters and probably the the Rhode Island Nurses Association and just strong partnerships there. But I understand in the past two years, it was really effective. Yeah, so the bill was first introduced in 2017, uh, and that required us working with the Rhode Island State Nurses Association to identify a a sponsor. And we were lucky enough in Rhode Island to have um, some really great nursing champions that were there and understood uh, the importance of, of keeping our nurses healthy. Uh, So once the bill was introduced, it then had to go through several different uh, committee hearings. Uh, We had to do our homework uh, around explaining, again, what surgical smoke is, how it's created, uh, the, the experiences that nurses have with it, and then the dangerous effects. Uh, So there were a lot of one-on-one meetings that myself and some of our members attended. Uh, Again, there was uh, hearings where some of the nurses stepped up and were able to testify uh, and explain uh, to those on the health committees uh, what this actually was. Can you say what specifically the legislation said or the bill said? Um, So the great thing about this bill is it's actually only a couple of pages long versus some of the other (laughs) legislation that's out there. Uh, But the key takeaways are that it required facilities, uh, so licensed hospitals and ambulatory surgical centers to adopt policies ensuring the elimination of surgical smoke by use of surgical um, smoke evacuators. Uh, And the second important part of the bill is that it requires facilities 
to notify the Department of Health of those uh, adoption of policies. What pushback did you encounter or how did you guys have to craft the case? Really, uh, the the biggest challenge was education, was explaining um, what happens in an OR, uh, walking through what is surgical smoke and how it's created and how easy it is to, to mitigate those. Um, those dangerous effects. So it was it was less about uh, pushback and more about spending the time that was needed to uh, to explain something that most people aren't aware of. That's con- great. Congratulations on that. Where are things bubbling up across the country then? Well, with Rhode Island passing this legislation, you know they really set national precedent, and we are hoping that other states uh, follow that uh, and and put the safety of their um, surgical staff uh, ahead of uh, the other issues, or we put it at the forefront, I should say. Do you where, see where, any... where we're seeing it bubble up is it, it legislatively in Colorado, there was a, a bill that was introduced in uh, earlier this year. Um, there's a lot of awareness that's just coming about across uh, across the country because of this. I think people, again, are, are starting to understand that there are consequences to uh, breathing in surgical smoke and, and just in general becoming aware of it. Uh, and then California, the uh, California uh, OSHA, so their equivalent of OSHA is called Cal OSHA, they are pulling together an advisory meeting in the fall of this year uh, to look at whether regulations are, are needed on this subject. That's great. Policies, whether it be legislation or regulation, are being made daily that impact uh, nurses. And so it's really important to recognize that nurses, especially periop nurses, when we're talking about surgical smoke, they, they have a, a powerful voice uh, that uh, needs to be at the table and is, is quite effective in having conversations um, and if you're, if you're looking to stay informed, I mean, the first part of being a, a, a person that takes action is to know what's going on. So you can look to your professional association mm-hmm. like AORN or to your state nurses association for information. Uh, but also, we're happy to provide you with advocacy tools. Uh, there are trainings that we have out there. There is uh, webinars. There are handbooks. Uh, there's a lot of information that we make available to empower nurses to be um, sitting at the table when it comes to, to policy making. After they're in AORN, what would be some of the next steps? Uh, the f- next step would be to, to contact government affairs. Contact myself. Our contact information is on the website. Uh, and, and learn about what's going on in your state. Uh, so we can do that over the phone. Again, I think the, the, another step would be to join the National Legislative Forum. Uh, and then also ARN has an invaluable uh, service to our members in that anybody can log in to ARN's website and click on their specific state whether that be Colorado, California, Wyoming, uh, and learn about any type of bills that ARN is tracking that's within our policy agenda. So any type of, of policy that may be impacting the perioperative profession. They can figure out who their elected officials are by clicking on the Find Your Elected Official mm-hmm. uh, button. They can read up on news that is specific to their state and to issues that are impacting them. And then they can also get our contact information 
information to learn how to become involved uh, and take action. So we also have action alerts that they can uh, take that are very easy online, providing them with an overview right. of what is happening with an issue um, and then what they can do to be, to be effective. So sometimes that's calling their legislators, sometimes that's writing an email, uh, sometimes that is sharing their story with ARN sure. so we can, uh, we can get that out to, to other stakeholders. That's fantastic. Can you think of anything else you'd like to add before we sign off? Well, if anybody's interested in participating in the Go Clear Award to get more information, it's just aorn.org.goclear. On that site, you can just request more information or you can register for the program. And we just I would highly encourage everyone to check out the site and register. We'd love to have you as part of the program. That's great. So thanks again for joining us at Friends of Flow. And um, so we'll sign off for this episode. I'm Tess, uh, Judge Ellison. Uh, Keep your eye on the patient. This is Andy Witter is telling you to innovate, agitate, and educate. And this is Rebecca Porter from Canada. And I say, as a Canadian, keep your stick on the ice. All right. Signing out. This podcast is sponsored by Ethicon US LLC. The information contained in this podcast and findings and conclusions expressed are those reached independently by the authors. Copyright 2018 Ethicon US LLC. All rights reserved. 